0: Take your Bibles this morning and let's turn back to Genesis chapter number 3 and so this will be the fifth and final message in this series on beginnings um, and so I hope that it's challenged your thinking, that it's been a blessing to you. Uh, it certainly has challenged mine at times. I, it seems like every week uh, the Lord has brought something to my attention that uh, that surprised me uh, and so uh, I think uh I, th- this week is no exception, and I'll, I'll point out what that particular thing is. It's not uh, it's something that you see all through the Scripture. I was just shocked at how few times uh, the Word appeared in the, in the Old Testament in particular. Uh, and so we'll look, a look at these things this morning. Uh, if you're new to Victory this morning, it's your first time with us, thank you so much for being here today. And I would ask that you please find a connection card. If you didn't get one in your bulletin, then there's one on the table out in the lobby in front of the screen at the Welcome Center, the guest services station. Uh, And if you would stop by there, we'd love to have a record of your visit today. They'll have a gift for you, say thank you for visiting with us. Uh, And if you've got any questions about our church, we'd love the opportunity to be able to sit down and to, to answer them and to share with you. Uh, whatever you would need to know. Uh, it's so great to see new folks coming in this morning. I was <coughs> with the privilege of helping a couple of them find their way to their class and getting children situated, and it's always uh, an honor and a blessing whenever things are getting started and folks are finding their way in. Uh, and so and I appreciate the friendliness and, and the, uh, the helpfulness of our church folks as well as folks find their way through. And So God bless you. Uh, for helping and being a blessing. Genesis chapter 3 and we're going to begin here in verse number 20 read through verse 24. We've been on this same text basically for about the last two or three Sundays uh, and so but we're still right here at the beginning uh, and seeing how everything implements and works its way throughout uh, the scripture. The things that I've preached to you the last five weeks including this week are things that you see all the way from Genesis through Revelation. Uh, And so it's not isolated or limited to this text. Uh, It is a concept and a principle that is woven throughout the entirety of Scripture. It's important that we understand uh, these truths. And so as we begin in verse number 20, the Bible says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And unto Adam and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. I'm going to speak this morning on this thought beginnings. The beginning of faith. Now let's pray, Father. Thank you for our time again this morning. I pray that you'd help us to focus in on the words and the message that you have for us, Lord. May we recall what we've been given over the last few Sundays. May we be able to put that together uh, so that we get a complete or pic- a more complete picture. And Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts, help our faith to be strengthened, help us to live boldly in the, your grace. Lord, those that are needing salvation, I pray, Holy Spirit, as you draw them, God, as you convict them, uh, that those that, uh, that are willing to turn from their sin, to repent, to accept Jesus as their Savior, that today you would give them the courage to step out and to do that. May the, today be the day that their life changes for eternity. Lord, others that need victory in their life over things that are just overwhelming them, I pray that you would help them to understand that they need not live under the burden. Uh, of sin and the burden of the curse of sin in this life, but we can live freely in Christ Jesus. May we find that this morning. May you set us free. May you be free to work amongst us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we began a few weeks ago looking at the beginning of God's power displayed. We saw that whenever he uh, spoke in the very first verse in the beginning, that uh, God created the heavens and the earth. He took and he created from nothing. Uh, And then he took that matter that he created and he continued his creative act and he formed uh, that matter into what we have today, only it was without, uh, without sin. So it was in a perfect condition and state. And so uh, he formed the fowl of the air and, the, uh, and the, the creatures of the sea from the water, from the land. He formed the creeping things and the beasts of the field. And, uh, and he formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into man uh, the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And so we saw the second week, the creation uh, or the beginning of man. Man began so that he could walk in fellowship with God, so that God would have one creature in all of the earth, that that would choose to love Him. This is what sets us apart from the animals. That's what makes us distinct. God did not want mindless robots that were programmed to love Him. God gave us a free will to exercise uh, that we might choose Him in love, uh, so that that relationship that we have with God is unique. Uh, And it is fulfilling the purpose for which he created it in this life. We should be bringing God honor and glory. We should be walking with him in fellowship. He came into the garden daily and he walked with man uh, and he fellowshiped with man and then sin came into the picture. Uh, And we spent a week talking about the beginning of sin. We looked at how Satan fell uh, from heaven and how he sinned and his pride overwhelmed him. And then he came uh, to Eve in the garden and he began to cause her to doubt God's word. That's essential uh, to our understanding of the earth that we live on, why it is the way that it is, uh, and how God has reconciled us to himself. And so when they look and you look at back at that what happened there, uh, the Satan came into the garden and he caused man to begin to question God. It was a breaking point up to this point. Man had just believed God. His faith and confidence had been in God and at this point now he begins to question and someone comes and questions what God said and causes man uh, to, to listen to something. That And really if you think about the subtlety, uh, or the subtlety of the serpent and Satan there in the serpent, uh, he is telling them what they want to hear. They looked at that fruit. They wondered about that fruit. It was the one thing that they were told uh, not to touch. And Satan says, you don't have to, God, God didn't tell you the whole truth there. They just caused him uh, to doubt. And so we saw sin come into the picture. We saw when sin came that it, that it made a division between man and God. That it caused man to be it realized that he, was, uh, that he was naked, uncovered, unclothed in his shame. And he tried uh, desperately to take the, uh, the fig leaves and to, in his own self-righteousness, make and fashion an apron that would cover his shame. Listen, my friend, no act of kindness, no act of goodness, no act of anything that you or I can do is be, will ever be sufficient to cover us from the shame of our sin. There's nothing that we can do. And as we saw the lesson and the motive And what God did and how he addressed it They simply tried to cover their shame And whenever we try to make our way to heaven Or into the presence of God uh, by, uh, by doing good things Or attending church services Or being baptized Or partaking in communion Or uh, or giving to charitable causes Or whatever good thing you can dream up When that's what we do And that's our process And how we go about it What we're essentially doing Is sowing faith Leaves together to try to hide from the shame of our sin. It will never be sufficient. And God comes and He searches them out. Just like this morning, when we realize that we are lost and without Christ, we are in our sin, we can rest assured that the Lord Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And as God walked in the garden seeking for Adam and Eve, so the Spirit of God walks amongst men today seeking those who are lost. That he might save their soul and redeem them to himself. So we saw sin come. We saw that God had to take immediately. He prophesied that there would be a, a virgin born uh, savior that would come into the world. We saw that in, uh, in verse number 15 of chapter three when he says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Uh, God talking to the serpent, understand this morning that from a biblical standpoint uh, that women do not have seed, men do. So for him to say that the woman's seed would bruise is an indication that a supernatural act of God would be brought into play. That this that this sinful nature that was passed to us from Adam would not fall upon the Lord Jesus Christ, for he had no earthly Father. It's necessary to salvation it's necessary to understanding what God has ordained and how God has maintained his his purity and his righteousness and his holiness Uh, and God uh, simply made the way we see in verse 21 that we read this morning that God took and he slew an innocent animal it's the first time that blood was shed on the face of the earth and it was shed to cover man's sin Uh, and we understand that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was shed to cover our our sin, uh, And through that, God extended his grace, and then Adam exercised his faith. And so I'm going to show that to you this morning as we get started here, uh, because it's, it's, it's central to uh, the, the story of the gospel throughout the scripture. God's power, man, sin, the grace of God. Listen, we are not saved by faith, we're saved through faith. We're actually saved by the grace of God. It is the grace of God, God's love for us, God's goodness to us, God's mercy upon us, God giving us at his own expense what we do not deserve and forgiveness uh, and reconciliation with him. The grace of God uh, brought that forth to bear uh, and he shows and brings to us uh, a longing in our heart to fill that void that sin created. And this morning we come to the concept of faith. Faith is something that we talk about, even the world talks about a lot. We talk about faith initiatives and government programs sometimes. And we talk about uh, someone being a person of faith or what got them through. Their faith got them through. What they really mean in most cases is that their religious beliefs got them through. Understand this morning, faith in God is not a religious belief. It is the assent of the authority and the accuracy of what God has said in his word that we bestow upon him. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. So faith is the fundamental concept of the Christian life. Without faith, we can do nothing. Without faith, we have no connection to God. Without faith, we cannot hear and have a prayer answered. Without faith, we would not extend a prayer. And you think about, And I give this illustration from time to time, uh, but you think about the electrical plugs and the lights and things that are in the ceiling. There's always electricity in them, but there's no electricity getting through until the switch is flipped, until the appliance or the vacuum or whatever is necessary is plugged into the source of the outlet. that, That electricity is always surrounding us. The grace of God is always around us. The grace of God is always accessible, but faith is required to access it. Until I access, until I express my faith in God, his grace is there, but it's no good to me. It requires faith on the part of the believer to access the grace of God in their life. Faith is the fundamental concept of the Christian life. Without God's grace, faith means nothing. Without God's power, grace or faith means nothing. Without God's, uh, God being true to his character, it means nothing. But because God is powerful and holy and righteous and just and loving and kind and all of the things that God is, and because God in his compassion and love looked at us in our sin and extended to us grace, He gave us the opportunity to turn to Him in faith to receive that grace that we might be saved. Every good thing that we get through uh, grace from God is an experience of an action of our faith expressed in Him. Without faith, I cannot experience God. Without faith this morning, I cannot please God. And we'll look at this verse a few times this morning, but... In Hebrews chapter 11, in verse number 6, But without faith it is impossible uh, to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so we have to understand this morning that without faith I cannot please him, I cannot experience him, faith cannot save my soul, yet my soul cannot be saved without faith. So we look and we consider this morning that he tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And we understand that and we look at that concept in that verse that it's the faith that connects us to the grace of God. It's an interesting thing that I don't know that I've ever really read or heard it stated this way or put together this way but I was just going over the notes and and preaching in my mind the message this week and and this thought occurred to me that we fell from God. And I'll, I'll state this a couple of ways throughout the message this morning. Man fell because he did not believe God. Why did Eve listen to the serpent? Because the serpent caused Eve to doubt what God had said. When you boil it down, Eve believed the serpent more than she believed God. He told her, what she wanted to hear. And, it, and it, it, it put a longing for her. In her to partake of the fruit. So it comes to the point where she had to make a decision. Who do I believe? Do I believe God? Or do I believe the serpent? And she chose to believe the serpent. Isn't it interesting that the way that I fell from God. Is the very same way that I must return to God. How do I come back to him? I have to express faith in him. I have to put my belief in him. I have to say, God, I did not believe you, and I sinned. Now, as I've borne the brunt of that sin, and as I see the result of that sin, I believe you. And as I express my belief in God, I can be brought back to him and reconciled uh, to him. Man fell because he did not believe God, and to access the grace that saved us, we must believe. God is God, whether I believe or not. Whether I believe him or not, God is God. Whether I believe in God or not, someday he's going to come back for his church. Whether I believe in God or not, someday he will judge all sin. Whether I believe in God or not, one day I'll stand before him. The reality is is that God is not dependent upon my belief to be God. But I cannot experience God until I believe. When we stop and we uh, think about these thoughts and, and the concept of faith, we have to understand biblically what does it mean because clearly it means something different than the, what the world thinks it means or what it has evolved into uh, in our culture this morning. The word faith in the Bible is, especially in the Old Testament, is more of a concept That you see in action and in work than it is uh, clearly explained as to what it is, at least by using of the word faith. In fact, the word faith only appears twice in in the entire Old Testament. There's an entire chapter in, uh, in Hebrews 11, we looked at a verse there already this morning, that detail for us, virtually all of the central players throughout Scripture, especially in the early uh, beginning through the book, of, uh, the book of Genesis. And it talks about and uses the term faith. It talks about their faith and how great their faith was and how uh, God used that faith. But the word faith itself in the Old Testament only appears two times. It was shocking to me. I thought, well, I'm going to look and see uh, through this study. When's the first time, whatever the concept of the day was, when's the first time that the word was used? The first time that the word sin appears in the Old Testament is in Deuteronomy, chapter 32 and verse number 20. And Moses is uh, is speaking uh, and he's uh, chiding uh, the, the children of Israel or he's write, written a psalm about and singing about their experience. In verse 18 he says, Of the rock that beget thee, thou art unmindful and has forgotten god that formed thee and when the lord saw it he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters and he said i will hide my face from them i will see what their end shall be for they are uh, a very froward generation children in whom is no faith and so god rebukes them for their lack of faith then we see in habakkuk uh, chapter number 2 In verse number four, it is the only other time in the Old Testament that the word faith is used, Uh, and he's talking about here Jehovah's response to Habakkuk's testimony, and he says, Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. If I would be justified uh, by God, then I must live in faith. God gives me justification. God makes me stand justly before Him with my sins covered by the blood of Christ and uh, in, uh, in faith. And so the just shall live by faith. The New Testament tells us, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We must uh, come to Him in faith. Uh, and though the word is used only twice, we see it, the concept of it, woven throughout. Uh, the Old Testament, uh, especially uh, throughout the book of Genesis. And so faith immediately after the fall uh, is, is right on the scene. And we see it come to light Uh, in verse uh, verse number 20, uh, immediately uh, as God is dealing with them in their sin. Now, we're not going to deal with that just yet. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Before we get there, we have to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about faith. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, the Bible defines for us what faith is. Uh, When he says there, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things hoped for not seen. So it is something that we are hoping for that we cannot see, but there is evidence for us to believe. And so in essence, uh, there's evidence that it's real. I cannot see, back to our our illustration of electricity, I cannot see electricity. Maybe in the form of a lightning bolt, I can see uh, electricity, but harnessed, uh, channeled, purposeful electricity, I can see the evidence of it, but I cannot see it. I, I see the lights come on when the switch turns. I can grab hold of something that's hot and it'll let me know real quick that there's electricity in it. But to actually see that current, my eye cannot behold, but there's evidence to support. I cannot see much of what there is to see of God, but there is evidence to cause me to see and to believe that God is and God does who he says he is and he does what he says he will do. And so faith is essentially that. It is something that I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that the Lord Jesus Christ will save my soul. I believe my soul is saved. I believe that I'll come into his presence whenever I leave this life. Why? How do you know that, Pastor? Well, I have faith that that's the case. Why? Because of the testimony that I have seen in the lives of others. People's lives who God has changed. People that once were so vile that you couldn't stand to be in their presence. That were transformed into the sweetest and kindest and most compassionate people that you could imagine. There's no explanation humanly speaking for the things that you can see done in the lives of man when God is working. It's unbelievable uh, to, uh, to the average person but to the Christian that has the light of the Word of God, explaining to us who God is, how God works, and what God does, when we see that on display in the life of someone that has put their confidence in Him and loves Him and lives for Him, it is amazing. It is evidence. It may not be something that the world can say is tangible, but it's tangible enough for me to reject everything else and to say if God has said it, I choose to believe it uh, by faith, I need his faith and I I need his grace and to access it by faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. I cannot even begin to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so faith Uh, by definition, uh, is this. It is belief. You can sum it up in one word. Do I believe God, or do I believe what I want to believe? Do I believe what God has said, or do I just believe what the world tells me? Faith is belief. By that it means this, the ascent of the mind to the truth of what is declared by another. It is my mind agreeing or accepting what is declared by another and I'm trusting in that or resting in that based upon his authority and his veracity or accuracy is God accurate can I trust him can I believe him faith is when my mind assents to God's authority and his veracity why cannot the world why can the world uh, not believe in God because the world will not accept his authority the world rejects the authority of God. The world rejects the authority of scripture. Many churches today are rejecting the authority uh, of the word of God. Faith place my confidence in God's authority and his accuracy, his truthfulness without other evidence. It is the judgment that what God states or testifies is truth. You could state as grace Is God's divine influence on the heart uh, and and reflected out in the life? That faith is that uh, which causes me to look and say because God said it and because I accept God's authority and because I believe that God is true, then I can rest or have confidence or believe that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he has said that he will do. Listen, man fell, as I stated earlier, because he did not fully believe in God. Man fell, so he ate of the fruit. And when confronted by God, now Adam chooses to believe God. And so you have this, you have Eve is tempted by the serpent. He tells her what she wants to hear. She, she begins to doubt God. She partakes of the fruit. Adam comes along and says, uh, woman, what have you done? And he said, and she uh, tells him, the serpent came and beguiled me. Immediately she knew she had done wrong. The serpent beguiled me and she gave to Adam. Adam had to make a decision. Do I love Eve or do I love God more? He chose Eve. They immediately, their eyes are open. Immediately they feel the shame of their sin. Immediately they begin to hide from God. They had never hidden from God before. They had never, Isn't it amazing how uh, and listen, and this is kind of silly, uh, but, but it happens to me on a, regular, on a somewhat regular basis. If there's somebody in the church that's got something going on in their life uh, that they don't want me to know about or that they think is sinful, but they're just going to indulge in it anyway, uh, and they're in the process of indulging in it when I see them out somewhere in public, they hide. I'm just a pastor. I'm not anybody. I mean, I stand and preach the truth, but you don't have to answer to me for it. You have to answer to God for it. And God can see it. No matter how good of a hider you are, you might hide from me. You're not going to hide from him. Adam and Eve tried to hide. They had a whole great, luscious, beautiful garden to hide in. And, and God comes down and said, hey, where'd you go? Where are you hiding for? God knew. Oh, well, they, it dawned on them That what they did was sinful and wrong. And they may not have fully understood what the impact was going to be, though God told them. There are a lot of times that we get told what something is going to cause, but we don't really truly appreciate it or understand it until we actually begin to experience it. So now Adam and Eve have gone from the concept of sin to the experience of sin. The experience of its shame. The experience of its guilt that caused them to hide from the one that created them, that loved them, that longed to be in their presence. And then God confronts them. He didn't leave them in their sin. He loved them. He came after them. He searched them out. He confronted them in their condition. And so uh, as he does that, he says, Adam, are you going to believe me now? We came to God in faith, uh, or we come to God in faith believing him just as we fell because we believed him not. And so we see that come to be in in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 20. It's, It's not obvious if you don't understand really the concept of what's going on. But when he says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve, you could stay and surmise that that is Adam's profession of faith in God. Why do you say that? I say that because of this. And Adam, Adam, his name means ruddy or common. So you see the name Adam, It's just this is just common, he's just a man. We are all common men. And so there's not anything significant or special uh, about us in our raw form, we are just common men. And he called his wife's name Eve. Never before had she been called Eve up to this point, she'd only been called referred to as the woman. There is no mention of the name Eve before this verse. So when you look at the name Eve, the name Eve means life giver. It means life or living. Now, understand what's just happened. They sinned, God came and confronted them and then God pronounced a curse upon them and upon the earth. And we don't have time this morning to go back and re-preach that message from sin. But when you look at what's taken place here, they've sinned, God comes, he finds them, he covers them, he says, because you've sinned, now you're going to have to leave the garden because you've sinned. You're going to have pain in childbearing because you've sinned, and because you were deceived, you're going to uh, be uh, the the man is going to be the head of the home because you uh, because you uh, have sinned. You're going to have to till the ground. You're going to have to labor by the sweat of your brow. Things aren't going to come easy for you because you sin. The bee will sting because you sin. The rose will have thorns because you sin. You're going to have all of these disease and all of these things. That all of that is just the result of sin running its course throughout the earth because of Adam's sin this has just taken place here in chapter two in chapter or in chapter three and Adam called his wife's name Eve God says Adam you sin now you're going to die your spirit died but now the process of death has begun in your life now everything is going to die And you're going to have so many years and then your life is going to come to an end. What Adam should have said here, if he was just uh, going off of of what he's experiencing was, instead of calling her the mother of all living, he should have stated that she was the mother of all dying. Because the reality of their experience was they were dying. Before sin, they would have lived forever in the garden walking with God. Before sin, the earth would have been perfect and pristine, uh, never ending, uh, with with God as our ruler and our uh, to, uh, walking in fellowship and in concert with us. But after sin, as the, the as disease and as sickness and as uh, as uh, all of the things, <coughs> excuse me, that it brought, come upon the earth. Well, when we look and we go through all of that, uh, Adam little looked out and said, "Hey, uh, Eve, look what you did." Look what I did. You're the mother of all dying. But God's just come to him. God's just confronted him. God's told them what was going to happen but God is in the process of showing him that there is a path back to me Adam I'm going to take the life of this animal in verse 21 the very next verse he kills the animal and he clothes them blood is shed that their sin might be uh, that their sin might be temporarily atoned uh, that they looking forward to what God has said in faith could be righteous and and be saved in Christ and so Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living Adam looks and he says God I've sinned against you and I'm so sorry that I've broken that trust and I appreciate that you came back and confronted me in my sin and you didn't let it run its course and you didn't let it go there and I know that I've got to bear the burden of sin upon my life and I know I'm going to have to work and labor by the sweat of my brow and I know I'm going to have to leave this beautiful garden that you've given and I'm going to have to go out here uh, because you can't trust me uh, to stay away from that which you've commanded me to not be at and so he put the cherubim to stand guard and he put them out of the garden after they were clothed and Adam looks at him and he said a- Eve we've got to go now but I want you to come and instead of calling her a woman he says because God has met with us and because God has sacrificed for us and because God loves us so much mother of all living let's go and Adam expresses that faith and trust in God whenever he names Eve Eve We look and we see as they're going through this experience. Verse 21, they're clothed. And verse 22, and the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. Now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man. I can't help but picture this in my mind's eye. And I can't say that it that that was this way biblically. I just am trying to envision this process. Man in his shame, God in his grace. Adam reaffirms his ascent of mind or belief that God is true. I should have never listened to that serpent. I should have never given in. God, you're true. You're the reliable one. I know, Adam, and I love you, but you've broken this. This is what we've got to do to fix it. And you can't stay here. You have to go out here. And it says, therefore, the Lord God sent him forth. Kind of like God calling Abraham to go forth. For the first time, Adam steps outside the garden, presumably. It's a new world. It's a broken world. The cherubim goes on guard. I kind of picture in my mind Adam and Eve standing there. With a like, almost like a child being separated from her parents. Being taken away from their parents. By a glass door. And that child standing there looking through the glass door at that broken hearted parent weeping. Crying, not understanding fully what's going on as the parents walk away and the doors are locked and they can't get in and they find themselves outside all alone. Now the truth is, is that they weren't alone. God was still with them. But God, the the relationship had changed. It wasn't what God designed anymore. And then it says in verse 24, so he drove the man. It's almost like God had to come back and say, go on, get, kind of like a stray dog that you quit feeding and you just got to kind of start bopping it with rocks to drive it away, shoo it on down the road, doesn't want to leave followed you home you fed it and now it won't go and it's just standing there looking at you every time you come out and you're trying to get it to go I can just in my mind's eye see God, right, Adam, go on you can't stay here you've got to go out there the confusion, the bewilderment the brokenheartedness, the knowing that this was of the Lord, and it was out and there in the wilderness. As they went out, and as they began to till, and as they began to raise to have children, as they began to do and experience what God had promised, they find faith. Now we've seen that they truly had faith from the garden. Immediately God gave them faith. They reaffirmed that belief, but they find a practical faith, a living faith that is going to lead them through life. My friends, this morning we need that practical living faith in our everyday life. We need to understand that our lives are broken and we live in a broken world. And the grace of God is real and it's all around us, but we must live and walk in faith or we'll never experience God's best for our lives. I can't find salvation in Christ without faith. I cannot experience the best that God has for me in faith. I cannot approach his throne in prayer minus faith uh, and, and it mean anything. And so we're going to look just three, quickly at three things here. And again, in verse number 20, uh, as Adam uh, cries out, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living, expressing that faith. He found faith to believe. I wonder this morning have you found faith to believe? Are you here this morning and you realize that the impact of sin in your life and upon the earth and that sin has separated us from God and that God and his love for us has caused Jesus to come and to live a sinless life, virgin born, that he might become our sin on the cross and bear the wrath of God and judgment of our sin on his broken body and then went to the grave and raised from the dead three days later by the power of God showing us that we have, he has defeated sin and death and that we can live resurrected lives. uh, and his power it is a faith to believe do we have you found this morning faith to believe and if you look and say pastor i i want to believe there's a time that jesus to his disciples said hey uh, this is something that you've got to do it was in relation to forgiving Uh, and he said uh, they said we want to believe help our unbelief i'm just telling you this morning if you're here and you would say i want to believe I'm just struggling to wrap my mind around it, Pastor. I I know that I, I need it. I know that this is what I, but to say that I can fully put my confidence in it, that I can truly trust it, that I can truly believe it, I'm just not there yet. What do I do? Get more faith. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're coming week after week and you're struggling with this this morning, what you need to do is spend time in your Bible and just keep coming because what you're getting is the word of God. Then the more that you get the word of God, the more that you see God working in lives, the more that God will bring you to a place where you can say, Now I believe. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There is no way to get faith apart from the word of God. Isn't it amazing how God looked at us in our depravity and our sin. And he said, I am going to come to you and I'm going to give you grace. And if you'll accept me by faith, but if you don't, I don't have any faith. I'll give you that too. There's not anything that we need, there's not anything that we can do on our own except say to God, I will accept you and your word as truth and I'll put my confidence in you. And when we lack the confidence, God says, just stick around and listen and your confidence in me will grow. Just watch me. We see this morning, first of all, that they found faith to believe. Because they had a source for their faith and the source of our faith this morning is the word. The word my friends is Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. There is no question this morning, biblically speaking, if there was any doubt, John uh, the Apostle in the very first verse and chapter of his Gospel makes it distinctly clear that Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is the source of faith, the source of salvation, the source of all that we need. And there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of faith, the Word of God. And if that weren't enough, he said, uh, understand, I'm simplifying the process. Understand the simplicity of of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. That God said, I'm not asking you to follow me blindly. I'm not asking you to just come and believe in some, uh, some fairy tale that you can't understand. I'm telling you, if you will come to me, and you will put your trust in me, and your hope in me, that I will give you evidence to believe I will show myself to you I will show myself to you in the lives of others and as I work in your life and as I work in the world around you listen the simplicity of their faith is this that God is at work he said I am the word and I am working to draw you to myself so we see the word and we see the works of faith how God draws us we found faith to believe. And as they found faith to believe, God come to them as they stood there, if you will, at the gate, looking back in and drove them on. In verse 23, we see that they found faith to move. Hey, listen, stepping out and beginning a new life that's radically different from uh, the life that you've experienced in the path can be a daunting task. It can be a fearful thing. It can be something that's hard to understand, but it's the life that God wants to give you. They found faith to move. Two thoughts about this. First, what did they do? They had to launch out into the unknown. They didn't know what was out there. I mean, they knew what God said was going to, what it was going to be like, but they had never experienced anything like that. And uh, in their case, you know, if that were to happen to us today, we could at least look and see what other people that have been in that circumstance have experienced as they went. No one had ever experienced this before. No one had ever been out there in a sin-cursed earth before. No one knew what it was going to feel like to be pricked by a thorn or to be stung by a wasp. No one knew what it was going to feel like uh, to have sweat rolling off your brow. They, they had nothing to help them, but God said, go, and they had faith to move. Listen this morning, maybe you just need uh, to just take the faith that God has given you. And when the invitation comes, if you've never trusted him as your savior, let that faith move you so that you can come and so that you can get the help that you need. No one will pressure you, no one will push you. We just want to say this is what God said, and this is how you can know that, God has, is, that Jesus is your Savior and God will change your life. It doesn't matter what a church says or what a church thinks, it matters what did God say in the Holy Word. What did God reveal about himself? Perhaps you're here this morning and you know that you're saved, you know you're on your way to heaven, but you've never really grown in your faith. You've never really grown in God's grace. You've been stifled and you've been stumbling around and you just haven't been able to get any traction. May I say to you that God will give you the faith to move if you'll just stay focused on him. They had faith to move. They had faith to launch out into the unknown. That manifests itself through life for life. What I mean by that is this, that it may be someone that they're brand new to the faith. They just trusted Christ as their savior and faith to them uh, means coming into a building of people that they really don't know or have any connection to. To come into the unknown, that's a hard thing. I commend you, those of you that are, uh, that are here for the, for the very first time today. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, it's an honor to have you. And we understand that it's difficult to walk into a brand new place for the first time when you really don't know anyone. That's a hard thing. Even if you're a Christian that served and loved the Lord for a long time and you've relocated to this area, it's hard uh, to come to a new church for the first time. You just don't know what to expect. They had faith to move. But as we grow in the Christian life, faith to move can mean a lot of different things. If God called a young person to go to the mission field and they have to leave family and, uh, and friends behind and a country that they know and their culture behind and go someplace brand new and learn a brand new language and serve God in a place where they don't know a soul and they don't understand the uh, governmental system and all of those things, that's faith to move to go from one place in life to another, to leave a secular job and to go into ministry full time. That's faith to move. Faith to move may be, hey, God's been working in my heart and we need Sunday school teachers, pastor. I think God uh, might, might uh, be able to use me as a Sunday school teacher to help uh, some children learn about God. Uh, would you help me with that? Uh, maybe that, that's faith to move. That was too intimidating six months ago, but now God's convicting you about it. Faith to move, faith to be growing, faith to be doing what God's put in our heart and life to do. God gives that faith. They had to launch out into the unknown. And they had to learn a new way of life. May I say to you this morning, if you are a new believer in Christ, or if you've not yet trusted him, what is out before you is a brand new way of life in which God will manifest himself in your life daily. He'll be real to you. He'll show you. He'll love you. He'll guide you. He'll encourage you. But not until you step out by faith. Not until you're willing to move out. Not until you're willing to embrace the new life that God set before you. I cannot couple my old life and sin with the Lord Jesus Christ. He won't be party to that. I must forsake and leave it behind and move on to live for and to love my God. They had faith to move. They had faith to believe. Thirdly, we see this morning that they had faith to enable. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. Again, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 23, he says, therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. I'm sending you forth, go and till the ground. God said, I know, Adam, that you don't fully understand, but I'll enable you. I'll give you understanding. I'll give you strength. I'll give you encouragement. I'll give you what you need. I'm just saying this morning that God gives faith to enable. I'm glad uh, whenever God called Sonia and I uh, to leave the security and the comfort of a secular work uh, where we knew what our, our roles were and what our hours were and what our salary was and uh, we had the security of a home that we had bought, our first home that we had bought together and all of those things, I'm glad uh, that whenever God called us to leave that and to go uh, and to stick a trailer out uh, on a 90-acre boys' home uh, and, to, and to, to, to work for a third of the money uh, or more that we were used to, to having and having to sell a vehicle to, to shed the payment, that we uh, just stepped out not blindly but by faith. This is what God said, to do something we felt completely inadequate to do when we prayed and we looked and we sought the will of God, God brought me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24, we said, faithful is he who calleth you who also will do it. What God's put in your heart to do this morning, my friends, he will empower you to do. Don't step back in fear, embrace him in faith. When we look at Adam and Eve as they go out, they found faith to be enabled. They weren't trying to do it on their own. God doesn't expect us to do it on our own. A matter of fact, if you go out and try to live the Christian life in your own strength and your own power, you will fail. You will be miserable uh, and you will walk away and leave the faith that you proclaim today. God never designed, he did not design you to be able to do it on your own. He does not desire for you to do it on your own. He wants to be a part of your life each and every day. It's his strength. It's his power. He's the one that enables. It's his grace that sees us through. He gave faith to enable. Two thoughts about this this morning as we wrap up. Number one, uh, they were able to survive in an imperfect world. Hey, listen, the world that they lived in now was a much different world than the one that they had known to this point. He gave them faith to survive in an imperfect world. May I say to you this morning that the the world is growing less and less perfect every day? The evolutionists want you to think that mankind is getting better and smarter and all these things. We're actually not. We're devolving. We're not evolving. It's a law of nature, by the way, that evolution refutes. It's a law of science that things get worse, not better. Well, pastor, how do we know all this and we know all that? Because we're compiling knowledge. We've, we've come up with machines that help us stockpile and they're actually starting to think for us. But we're getting worse. We're getting more vile. We're getting more wicked. At some point, God brings some judgment for sin and a little bit of a reset and reviving happens from time to time. I'm just saying this morning that the world in which you live and I live is imperfect. I shouldn't be all knotted up and been out of shape about the imperfections of this world. Oh, yeah, I'm outraged as other Americans are about things that go on politically at times. But the reality is, why should I expect it to be any different? It's a sin-cursed earth. It's just going to keep spiraling in sin. Why? Because that's what we created. God created perfection. We created this mess. And God in the midst of our mess is standing there saying, in spite of it, I love you. In spite of it, I'll help you. In spite of it, I'll draw you to myself. In spite of it, I'll enable you and empower you to live in this imperfect world. Don't be be overwhelmed by the imperfect world and what life has thrown at you that's that's hard to bear. God understands. He knows. We have a Savior that's been touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what it's like to experience the things that we experience, the heartache, the loss, all of the problems and trials that come with life. Jesus knows. It's an imperfect world. And he says, but I'll empower you. I'll enable you to serve me in it. I'll enable you to make a difference for me through it. Secondly, they were able to thrive in God's grace. They were able to thrive. Listen, in a world that should have consumed them, crushed them, overwhelmed them, they thrived. They bore children, they lived long lives. They taught their children their faith. They weren't completely successful One of their sons murdered the other, and then God gave them more children. Don't expect perfection. Don't give up whenever bad things happen. Don't give up when you make a mess out of the next thing and life throws you for a loop. Just keep trusting God. Just keep walking with Him. Just keep letting Him build you. Why? Because you can thrive. Wherever you're at this morning, whatever has overwhelmed you this morning, whatever sin you have in your past, whether it was your distant past or whether it was this morning, you can thrive in this life with God. He's given you the power. He wants to give you the faith to thrive for His glory and for His grace. Listen, God gave them faith to believe and to abound. God wants you to abound in His grace. God wants you to live a fruitful, powerful life. Charles Spurgeon put it this way as we close this morning. A little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but a great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Will you walk in faith this morning? I'm not asking you to just believe the Bible just because you heard it once. I'm asking you to look in your soul and understand that there is a God that loves you. And whatever doubts you have, if you'll just keep, Staying in his word and longing for him that he will draw you to himself and he'll give you everything that you need. He'll give you grace to be saved, grace to live, grace to succeed. He'll cover your sin, forgive it. He'll empower you to live through your faith. Pastor, if I don't have the faith, he'll give you that too. If you'll just come to him this morning.